With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Drop Step podcast. We are recording on a Monday. It's the Monday after Lakers Pacers, the inaugural in-season tournament is finished. We've seen the Lakers triumph. We've seen LeBron inevitably triumph. So who do you get on other than LeBron himself? Chris LeBron. I've got Chris LeBron, host of the Off The Ball podcast, Knicks Fan TV contributor, an overall good Twitter and X user as well. That's what we discussed pre-show. Lovely to see a man out there fighting the good fight. Chris, how are you doing today, man? Are you excited to go into all things in-season tournament? Yeah, man. I'm, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. It's a, it's an honor to be on. Uh, like I said, I try to use Twitter in a positive light. I know it's very negative, but that's and it's tough. But I try to use it in a positive light. That's how I kind of gotten where I'm at, you know, in this in this podcast world. But yeah, I know it's hard. But yeah, especially being a Knicks fan, it's hard to stay away from those mean Twitter streets. But I try my best, man. Temptation is round every corner. <laughs> but speaking yep. of sort of staying positive what were your overall feelings for the in-season tournament did you come away from it with positive good vibes or did you think it went out in a bit of a damp squib i went into the it you know when it first got brought up i was like are the players going to care and if the players mm -hmm. don't care why should i care so that was kind of my thought process going into it i did shows about it and i was like I just don't know if the players are going to buy into this because it's, but that's always something when something's new, it, it's going to take you a while to get used to it. Right. I know they brought the concept from, you know, soccer, you know, for you football, right. The, the real, real football, you, got it. <laughs> you know, you so, got it. you know, and like, I'm not a big, you know, football guy, you know, um, but I have friends who are, and they tried to tell me, you know, and I know how big, you know, you know, the other tournaments are not just like the world cup and all that. So I was like, you know what, if it's not, if it doesn't work, then they'll scrap it. But if it works, it, it adds new intrigue to the regular season that, you know, I'm going to watch regardless, Jack. I, I'm watching regardless, right? If it's yep. Knicks versus Hornets and yeah, I, like the other day it was Knicks Hornets and, and LaMelo was out. I would watch that game <laughs> regardless, right? Cause I'm just a basketball nut. I'll watch any basketball like, but yeah. But I was there was a little bit more, you know, for some games there was a little bit more oomph to it, you know, a little bit more excitement. Mm -hmm. So I went into it, okay, let's see, let's see how this goes. And you know, it could be it was a little bit confusing, you know, understanding, you know, the the seedings and the group stages and you know the point differential, I'm sure we're gonna get into and all that. But I found myself, you know, getting a little bit more excited, these games and all that. And I know people were talking about the courts and all that, and I feel like maybe not for me i don't care about the courts like it's not a big deal but like if you're just a yeah. casual and you're just flipping through channels that thing's gonna pop it's, it stands uh -huh. out so like the visual conception of it is it, that's a that was a brilliant idea now they could do some tweaks to it i'm sure i know players got were a little concerned about the court you know the courts yeah. and all that but 
I came out of this, I came into it with a little bit like, oh, I'm not sure. And then I came out of it like, this was great. I, if you're a fan, like you came out of this, like, yeah, this is to get competitive basketball for Christmas, which is something a lot of people are have been complaining about and wanting. Like some people like, why don't we just start the season after Christmas day, Christmas day, game one, you know, how kind of was when we had the, the strike season, you know, yeah. um, the lockout season, you know, and that was something I was like, you know, maybe, but. You know, obviously, I don't think they're going to get, you know, take away games and all that. But if you're going to make it more intriguing, yeah, this is, I think this was a home run for the NBA. I think you, what better way to have your, you know, to have LeBron James in this and Giannis, you know, in the, in the top four and all that, you know, I think you couldn't have, I mean, I'm sure they would have loved that matchup too as your first season. <laughs> yeah. But to get LeBron and the Lakers in it and then them win to come away with the, with the championship. But also on the other side, getting an up-and-coming team like the Indiana Pacers with Tyrese Halliburton, you know, Obi Toppin, you know, Ben Matherin, like they have some, you know, and especially Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, he's potentially, you know, he's going to be an all-star this year again. He's, he's, he's an all-NBA type player to have that up-and-coming team. I think it was a good, that was that was a good good way to start off the in-season tournament, you know, um, you know, to have that, you know, you have the old guard versus the new guard. You couldn't have had a better start to this i think it was an absolute home run could there be tweaks i'm sure we'll talk about that if we add you know some tweaks to it but i think you couldn't have asked for a better start to the end season tournament i think it was a home run it works like i said some tweaks need to be added but that's you know it's the it's the first it's the inaugural you know in season tournament so there's going to be some things you're going to work but i think overall it was great it, it adds a little bit more excitement to the regular season that some people you know, it's still football season. So, you know, people are going to, you know, still be invested in football, but now it gives you another reason to be like, okay, oh, well, you, you see what, what's going on there. You know, the Lakers, you know, trying to battle it to get in this, you know, and it's, and we got yeah. some good games and all that. So to me, it was, I, I loved it. I think it was, you know, I came away, you know, I, I went into it with a little skepticism, but now I came out, I'm thinking, okay, I think this is something that's going to, to be here for the long term. Absolutely. I think it's going to stick. And with that in mind, we're going to play a little game of stick and twist. I've outlined some of the in-season tournament features that really caught my eye. And what we're going to do, Chris, is we're going to go through them and we're going to say, do we keep or are we chucking them in the bin? Are we folding basically our hand in the That's spirit true. of Michael Imperioli? First thing, unmitigated success, the advert. Oh my God, I loved it. One of the best pieces of NBA advertising since that Christmas Day advert when it's James Harden, KD, everyone, you know, hitting shots. Oh, that commercial. That's, that's, a, that's a top five NBA commercial. It's the OG one for sure. It's that and uh, Michael Jordan's mum, Duncan. That's my favorite one of all time by far. Just uh, <laughs> yeah. absolute best. But I, I just want to say before we get into that, I completely agree with you. I think that the in-season tournament was a real success in its first year. I think that we've watched competitive hoops in November, which is a massive success. I think that teams really cared about it. And whether that's because 500 grand was on the line and you know, maybe that doesn't mean that much to LeBron, but he spoke about how it means something to Cam Reddish, being able to play on an increased stage, currently playing on a minimum contract. He got to show out in a competitive environment and he might have had to have waited until, you know, April or May or you know, maybe March to do that for the Lakers this year. I think we saw some fantastic games. We saw some fantastic outcomes. And players like Tyrese Halliburton are 
this has done wonders for their presence, not only in like the NBA sickos mind, like me and you, Chris, we knew about Halliburton. Wally Zerbiak maybe didn't know about Tyrese Halliburton of all the takes from last season to age like milk. Poor Wally. I, 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 I feel for him, man. I think Jalen's been excellent this season, but you can't look at Tyrese Halliburton anymore and say that that man isn't an all-star. Listen, I, listen, I, before you go, go, go. I, I'm big into the NBA draft space. Okay. I was so high on Tyrese Halliburton. I used to go, you know, and it kind of how I got my shows like kind of popped because I did a lot of mock drafts with a lot of the top yeah. NBA draft guys in, in the Twitter world who are now become like really, you know, gone on to a lot of success around. I used to pound the table. Tyrese Halliburton <laughs> used to be a New York Nick. I used to say it relentlessly. People used to be like, and it's and it's there. It's in the universe. Go check go off the ball podcast, off the board network.com on YouTube. Go check out the show. You will see. I always tried to get Hallie to be a Nick and all that. Uh I, I was I was there. I know people were worried about the jump shot, and I was like, it goes in. Jack, it goes yeah. in. The yeah. most important thing is that it goes in. Like that's what to me what matters. It's like, yeah, it's a little wonky and it's still funky, but it goes in. Mm. That's the only thing that matters. Absolutely. I was like, oh, he needed to be a Nick, and when he didn't become a Nick, I was not happy. I was not happy, and and I'm even like, listen, we figured it out, the point guard, but just had to say that because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, and people get mad at me, Knicks fans, because I root for like a pacer, but when right. when you, I root for all the guys in like the draft that I'm really high on, like no matter what team they're on, I root for them because the, you know you have like you kind of have a connection with them and all that. So I'm a big Halley guy. So yeah, yeah, man, he he's 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 special. And, you know, a lot of Knicks fans were rooting for Obi Toppin last year. He's a pacer now, so I think just join the club, right? But, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I want to say as well, just a quick note, if anyone was listening to the drop set back in July, I did a Most Improved Players podcast, players that I thought were going to make All-NBA for the first time. Tyrese Halliburton was my point guard uh, in the post-All-Star stretch last year, 22-23. Tyrese Halliburton was averaging 24 and 12 and he hit game winners over Chicago and Philadelphia. So this is actually carrying over from last season. We're just mm -hmm. really getting the breakout, the media breakout now, which is just one of the reasons why I think that the in-season tournament has been such a success. But the first thing that I want to talk about, we're going to start off on a real important thing here is the jerseys. Chris, there are too many NBA jerseys now. That's a fact. Yeah, but is. you've spoken about liking the aesthetic. I want to ask you, what was your favorite in-season tournament jersey? And were we happy with the overall quality of them? Because I know that there was some uh, heavy criticism of the City jerseys before the courts got released and everything, right? Yeah, I'm... I'm not a fan of like the the city jerseys and all that. I I'm more of a traditionalist. Like I, I if anything, I like like retro jerseys more than all that. Um, I think it's just too many jerseys, and then like the color schemes kind of don't make sense and all that. So I'm not crazy about the jerseys and all that and all all the different colors and the colors that don't make sense. It's just it's a little too much. It's a little too much for me, you know. It's just, I, it's like simplistic, you know. Sometimes simple is the best, but I get it. I get it because, listen, let's be real. It's a business, so if you're, yes. if they can make more money, you will, you know. So I get it from that standpoint. But like some of the jerseys are just, it's just too much. It's too much. 
Like even Absolutely. like the Knicks, for instance, like their their jerseys, I did not like it. I didn't no. like it. Are you kidding me? I loved it. it. Man, 99, 2000 lockout season, right? This is uh, yeah. this is the NBA finals. This is Latrell Sprewell. Yeah. I, I was a big fan, but maybe for like a UK homer like me, there's just uh, there's a lot of nostalgia seeing that. I, I, I think that would have been up there in my top three. I liked that. I think Utah came out with a really crisp one. Uh, the Kings sort of throw back to their mm-hmm. Rochester Royals days. I butchered that pronunciation there. But there were some bangers in there. And then there was some, I'm looking through them now. Oh, my God. The Memphis Grizzlies City jersey, forgotten. No one's buying it. I don't think anyone's buying a Nets jersey. The Nuggets one is going to be cast into flame. The Nets one, listen, it might sound like a hater. The Nets no. one is god-awful. It's bad. It's bad. Even, it's and you bad. know what? Nets fans will even say, yeah, it's it's bad. You know what I don't like about the Knicks one? I don't like how it's, uh, I don't know that wording, but like the way that says New York. Yeah, I don't like the font. I don't hey, like the font. Know, don't like when the font. I like the mixture because it's like you said the night the nineties and all that. I yeah, like yeah. those. I don't like the font. To me, the font was, was to me would turn me off on that jersey. Hey, when you're talking jerseys, it can be something really specific that gets you down. So I completely get it. I mean, I'm mm. sure that you've got a lot in the closet at home, Chris, in terms of Knicks jerseys. And if you're a retro guy there's probably not going to be a better jersey come out for the next 25, 30 years. We can always yeah. hope that you, know, you yeah. can't uh, can't fix it if it's already perfect, right? So I think the jerseys were sort of saying, maybe we stick, maybe we twist. I think in contrast, or sorry, not in contrast, in conjunction with the courts, they made a lot more sense and they gave us this overall different aesthetic and they helped it stand out a little bit, Right. Mm-hmm. I think some of the courts were horrible. Some of the courts reminded me of The Shining or Carrie, Chicago. Please, never, ever, never again. I don't like the red, but a couple of them were pretty cool. I I don't want to sound like an old man shouting at the clouds, but I would just tone it down a little bit. I'm happy yeah. to have different colored courts, but, you know, let's go understated here. I really liked Boston's. I think that San Antonio had a really nice court as well, but... Some of them were just a bit loud, and I, I just want to focus on the hoops at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a little too loud. And and listen, I think they know that, and I think they're gonna. That's why you know you, you just you throw it out there and you see what works, you see what doesn't. And I think they, I think they know um, what works and what didn't work for this as far as aesthetics, right? And then, like there were just certain courts that were just it was too much red. I don't need that much red on the court, you know, <laughs> to it. me, that's just too much, like something basic, you know, uh, it, it's, you know, something like, like I said before, sometimes simplistic is, is best, you don't got to, mm-hmm. but I get it. Cause from uh, a TV, like, like I mentioned before, you flipping through channels, you see that Miami heat or that Toronto Raptors or, you know, whoever who had, I think the Pelicans had red, whatever teams Sixers mm-hmm. had red. That's you're going to be like, Whoa, what was that? Yeah. So I get it from that standpoint, but too a little too much, Jack. It was just a little too much. You know, you just gotta tone it down a little bit. Like the Lakers felt like it was like too much yellow. I get that yellow. That's their but it was like, yo, we don't I understand you guys that that's your colors, but it's like, ah, do we need that much? Because you're hurting my eyes. You're hurting you my eyes right now. Go, <laughs> you had the chance to go purple, you had the chance to go gold. 
it was right there. But I think you're right. I think it was just gold would have been perfect. Gold, I think, would have been perfect. But too yellow is too much. Just too much. And then they go and win the tournament. They come and play their next home game on that tour on that court to celebrate. It would have been absolutely, you know, magnifique. But uh, I, I think that next year we'll see him toned down. I don't mind the idea of a different style court. I would stick with it for the in-season tournament. Mm. But like we said, just turn down the contrast ratio, turn down the brightness exactly. a little bit. It's like when just you're a, in bed, just a little bit. you're about to go to sleep and you're like, oh, I can't have this brightness too high on my phone. This yeah. is not working for me. I hate brightness. So, like my phone brightness is on the lowest possible. I hate yeah. brightness. I don't like lights. You know, I, I, I'm like a bat. I like to be in the darkness. So like the brightness on these, some of these, but like I said, I get it. It's, it's it's aesthetically some pleasing to some people when you flick in the TV, you see that you're going to be like, whoa, what was that? Boom. You flip back and you're like, oh, there's a basketball. Oh, it's in is a tournament. Boom. Now you may be invested. So I get it from that standpoint, but this is a little tone it down a little bit, Silver. We got to turn it yeah. down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. But one of the things that I really did like was the fact that we had dedicated days for the tournament. I like that it was mm -hmm. Tuesdays. I like that it was Fridays. I think that your in-season tournament game couldn't be a back-to-back. -back. It could potentially no. be the first night of a back-to-back, -back, but not a second. That's yeah, great because yeah, yeah. that allowed some coaches to play short and rotations at times. Mm -hmm. And it just meant that you didn't have the awful outcome of, okay, let's turn on the Clippers. Oh, Kawhi's sitting today. Everybody's sitting, sitting, yes. Today. Yes, yeah, exactly. everyone. Everyone. I mean, smart. That was very smart of them. Rain, of course. Yeah, I, I don't think there's too much time that we need to spend on this one. It's just absolutely that made sense. But maybe talking about the finals didn't necessarily work as well. The semi-finals, that Pacers Bucks game started at like an ungodly hour for people on the West Coast. It was lovely for me. I got to watch at a decent time. I didn't disrupt my sleep schedule for once for the NBA. But maybe we'd be starting that finals or semi-finals games earlier. I think what it started like five o'clock that game. Yes, Eastern? yeah, yeah, yeah. See, for me, I love it. I love okay. that because it's in Africa. Because I'm like you said, I'm used to games starting late. And when you uh -huh. work, when you work all day and all that, sometimes I'm watching the game and then I'm on the kind. I'm I'm sleeping. I'm sometimes sleeping. So for me to get a game that's you know, two hours at seven o'clock, I'm done. Okay, now I got the rest of the night to, you know, and I can watch the next game and or whatever, you know, and be able to, you know, do some notes for a show and all that. So, like, for me, I love that. I wish there were more. Like, that's why the, I, you know, when COVID happened, to get those like 12 o'clock games or three o'clock, yeah. oh my God. Like, that, 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 that was awesome. I was like, we need more of these. I wish you could do. I know it's not feasible with this. Now we're back to normal times, but. You know, sometimes you know, those games where it's like, you know, you wake up, you have a cup of, have a cup, cup of coffee, you know, get some lunch and yeah. boom, you got an NBA basketball. I love that. So, like, for me, that was great to have because sometimes these games are late and, like, I can never I, – I could barely get the, to the West Coast games because it's too late. And I'm in the East Coast, so sometimes I'm like, ah, man, I can't watch, you know, the LeBron versus the Kings or the Warriors and all that. You know, for some me, I loved it. You know, I know for some of the people, like if you're in the if you're in the West Coast, it's two o'clock, maybe a little early. But to me, it, it was per. I wish we get sometimes more. You know, games like mm -hmm. that. But uh, you know, uh, but it, it does. It's not gonna happen a lot. So you know, it's only a, a you know, it's gonna happen once or twice. You know, sure. so it's not really a big deal. But I loved it. <laughs> watching the game yeah. early. You know, when you're still in a half sleep. You know, it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 especially when you know the paces are playing and it feels like you're watching you know uh 
F1 race or NASCAR. Yes. Tyrese Halliburton, Obi Toppin, Ben Matherin, all of those guys flying down the court at breakneck pace. It's a good way to wake you up in the morning. It works like a cup of coffee. And speaking of those semi-finals games and that finals game, what did you think of the Vegas location? I think Vegas is, first of all, Vegas is, yeah. is tremendous. I haven't been there yet. We'll plan on right. being there for summer league next summer. So I'm excited mm-hmm. for that. But Vegas is, is, is hot right now. Vegas is hot. And it's only a matter of time before Vegas is getting going to get an NBA team. We're going to get two more teams. That's definitely going to happen. It's just a matter of when. I think it's going to be Vegas and it's going to be Seattle. We'll get the next two 100%. teams. So we'll have 32 teams. I, I'm confident just a matter of when. Uh, Vegas, like they just they just got the Raiders. They just got, you know, the Aces, you know, are doing well there. They're hot, uh, the, the Golden Knights. Just won the Stanley Cup, you know, so and then now the A's are coming there from Oakland, you know, so, you know, sorry, Oakland, <laughs> you know, they <laughs> lost two teams in a matter of just a few years. But uh, yeah, Vegas is, is, is it's perfect, you know, and then you got the sphere. That's just, a, you know, it's just a tremendous thing that I, everyone talks about and all. It's just the hub right now. It just feel like it's hot, literally yeah. and figuratively. It's hot, you know, in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. so like it's just a, it's just a good spot. It's a good, you know it's a good tourist spot. So people, you know, you know, you know, you can come there and do a bunch of things and then, you know, cap it off with watching basketball, you know, mm. and you know, so it, it was, it's, it's a great spot and all that. So I think it's a perfect location, you know, for uh, this. And I think it's going to be here. They're going to be doing this for a while there. And then eventually, you know, they're going to have an NBA team there, you know, so Vegas is right now, maybe one of the most hottest sports towns in, in the country. Yeah, absolutely. And I think an underrated thing with having it in this sort of one-off neutral location is I had Eric Pincus on a few weeks ago to talk about fake trades. And he spoke to me about the G League showcase being the Mm -hmm. first moment where sort of trade chatter really starts to happen through a season. Yeah, a lot of GMs there, yeah. Notice that Sham Sharania posted today on The Athletic a little update on what's going on with Zach Levine, a little update on what's going on with Pascal Siakam. We've had people talking during the season in-season tournament. Information has been going. Ideas have been had around blackjack tables. If you're at the right one, you might know exactly what the Hawks offered for Pascal Siakam, you know, back in the off-season. But uh, we weren't privy to that this year, unfortunately. I like it. I think that maybe they missed a little bit of a trick with... I don't know, the semi-finals. I, I love the atmosphere in that quarterfinal game, particularly that Pacers bench was just absolutely raucous. But I think in the interest of fairness, you probably have to have it in a neutral location if you're going to yeah. stick to one-off games, which you absolutely should. I think that one of my favourite underrated things about the in-season tournament is it was brief. We had a few group stage games. It's not like they said, right, and there's going to be eight group stage games before we get rid of any teams. That means that every single one of them mattered. And that means that when we got to the semifinals, we had real jeopardy. There's no need to change that format in my mind. I like knockouts. It worked for me. So, yeah, format. But speaking of format, I think we've spoken about aesthetics. We've spoken about location. We've spoken about TV times. The group stage. Now, Chris, for me, it was, I I get it. If you watch a lot of the World Cup, if you watch the FA Cup, the Champions League, etc., 
it's it's pretty easy to take on. But if you're coming from that American sports background, if you're Jason Tatum or DeMar DeRozan, I think they both got annoyed at the point differential thing. Is there anything you would tweak about that format? Have you sort of formulated any ideas that could give Adam Silver more or less headaches? You got to change the point differential thing. That's the number one thing. It just in 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 soccer football, you can you can do that, right? Because it's it's very hard to have a you know to um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you know to to add injury to insult with the score, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like to 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 run up the score, right? You can't really run up the score in soccer and and soccer football. You know you can't. It's very hard. Yeah. It's very hard to score a goal, period, let alone try to run up the score, right? So you, it, in basketball, you can do that. And just the way, you know, the game is played and just how guys, you know, react when you try to show them up, it's not – It's you're, you're, you're going to be – you know, it's going to lead to a lot of, uh, lot of stuff that you don't want. So I right. think – and I'm, we saw some things happen, you know, that you don't want. So – I think this they have to tweak that because you're gonna get lead to some uh, some ejections and some some yeah. some fisticuffs and you don't want some that drama. you know yeah some drama and Chris, all that and listen drama's good drama's good this is what I but, want yeah <laughs> hard, hard disagree hard disagree I loved point mm-hmm. differential I loved Andre Drummond no I love it though I love it I love it line. I just think you, that it's gonna be bad for them you know I love it because listen uh, I don't care. I, I'm right. just saying, it, for them, I think they have to change it because it's going to leave. But for me, I'm always been like, "Hey, you if Good. if you're mad, if you're mad that we're scoring, then stop me. Play better. That's why I. And it feels like I. I don't know if you've seen this, but it seems like a lot, and just not. And this is something that we see a lot in like the middle school, high school level. We see a lot of blowouts, and yeah, it's crazy that because of this, the world, the way the world works. We get mad at the, the 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 coach players who are you know winning big, and we've seen instances where coaches have been suspended, fired because they run up the score. And I'm like, yeah, hold up a second. They're teaching their guys, gals, to just keep going hard, 110 percent all the way, you know, to no matter what, just full pedal. And we're not, mm-hmm. and we're 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 disciplining. We're we're getting mad that you know I, I'm not big. Hey. Stop me. I, I I never used to get mad, even if I was get the one getting blown out. Like, I'd be like, hey, man, we got to stop them. <laughs> you know, why are we mad that they beat yeah. us by 40? You know, no, they're scoring. No, then we need to stop them and all that. So I'm I don't, I'm all for it. I don't care. If you're up by 48, try to be up by 50. If you got 70 points, go for 80. Go for 90. Yeah. Like, I wish Kobe went for 100 the game against the Raptors. He could have. He should have. I'm telling you. you. Know? So I'm if, all for that, but I think was, I think for the play, yeah. I think for the NBA, I think they're gonna have to because it's gonna lead to some instances, and it might lead to one big. We might have something you know brawlish, and you don't want that. So I think mm-hmm. they're gonna figure it out. But for me, I'm like, oh, hey, score 160 points. Let's go. I'm all for I points. See. I love scoring. I love, and I'm someone who grew up as a defender. Who you know, I played defense. Where the bat, I was a defender in basketball, football, but I love scoring. I did not want to see 70. 77 to 71 and two minutes left in the fourth. Like those finals between the Pistons and the Spurs, cool. I, I know they went seven. Those are that's why we're at where we're at now because they're like we can't have that no more. Yeah. 69 to 64 in the fourth quarter with three. No, Jack, we can't have that no more. Yeah. We need. I, I want to see 130, 140s. Let's go. Yeah, the Pacers are hitting that at halftime. 
Uh, I think exactly. most games now. It's crazy. <laughs> they um, had 70 points. I think the Knicks had a game of QA. They had like 80 points at halftime. I want to see that. We need to see scoring. Let's go. I think Knicks Bucks was crazy, right? I think it finished in the 130s at halftime. It was insane. Yeah, Julius Brandon was having the game of his life. Didn't miss. He um, literally didn't miss in that first half. Literally did not miss. Mental. <laughs> mental. This, is, this is what we want to see. Um, exactly. I think that if Kobe was on the court for the in-season tournament, he'd have turned it into a teachable moment for someone. Someone would have had 60, 70, 80 dropped on their head and he would have, you know, gone full Zion against the Suns last year, pulling out a you know, slam dunk uh, with a couple of seconds to go. Mm-hmm. I like that mentality. And I think... Oh, I love that. Process. I okay. love when Zion had that dunk at the end of the game yeah. and people would get, I see Jack, it's I'm different. I, that's what it's called entertainment too. Right. Yeah. There's, you don't think the fans love that. And, and when he ended that game there, I know they were winning, but when he ended that dunk, you send the fans home. Like, yo, you're, you get amped up to me. I love yeah. that stuff. And I, 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 I get why, it, maybe if you're a competitor and all that, you would get. But to me, I, I'm always lived off. Stop, stop them. If if, yeah. if if we don't be mad at their scoring, it's just like in any like any spot. I don't believe in a run up. I don't believe in that note. Oh, you can't show them up. No, stop me, mm-hmm. stop me. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. listen, like you what we see. I saw. I remember um, a high school game over here, and it was like they were up by like fifty, and they kept. But they weren't doing anything. They weren't like, but they were just doing regular off and they were just scoring. And I think eventually it's like, okay, they need to stop us. Like, we, I, I'm sorry, we, we got us backups and our backups are good, but we're still scoring. But I, there's nothing we can do. My guys still need, need to play hard. They need to understand that you got to play, you know, hard every minute because you just never know. So, like, it, it's just, 100%. I don't know, maybe I don't know if how it is by you, but over here, we, it's something that's sensitive. To like running up the score and how it's a bad look, I don't believe in that. I think you get humble. I think you learn more when you see the scoreboard and like, yo, we lost by sixty. Is that like I? I'll give you a quick story. My first high school basketball game, first high school basketball game I ever played. I remember like it was yesterday, and this was twenty years ago. (laughs) Jack, I was so amped. Big game. We played playing against the best team in the city. They came out full court press. And they were up by 20 and within the first five minutes. They oh. destroyed us. We lost by 45 points. I remember like it was yesterday. I was like, and I remember one person on my team. I, I don't know why I remember this, but I remember very, he was talking about going to the Nets game. I flipped out on him. <laughs> I said, we're down by 45 points and you're worried about going to the Nets game. I flipped out. I was like, is that not embarrassing? And like, I wasn't mad that they were scoring points on us. I was more mad yeah. at us for not being prepared because we knew they were a bigger team that we have to be. They're going to press us from the jump. Yeah. We know this. We saw in the scouting report. They're going to press us. You have to be ready for that. Next game, we bounce back and we won. So that we learned from that moment, that game. To me, that's you need that. Sometimes you need to know that, hey, they running it up. Don't get mad on the court and all that. Figure it out. Next game, bounce back. That's how I see it, but. Some people don't. <laughs> Chris, you're, you're telling me you did a Chicago Bulls. You had a players-only first game meeting. First I was like, they're talking about the time. next game. I was. I remember the player. I remember who it was, too. I remember like it was yesterday, and this was 20 years ago. Remember the, every <laughs> moment of that game because that game was like, oh, my God, we are getting thumped. 
But the next game, yeah. we bounced back and we won. So, uh, nice. but yeah, I remember he was talking about the Nets. Yeah, I'm going to the Nets game, sitting courtside. I was like, well, you're sitting, you're sitting courtside right now, and we're losing my 40. So let's mm-hmm. figure this out. Like, <laughs> I was like, no, no, nah, bro. And then we we bounced back big the next game. But yeah, nice. now I don't, you know, hey, stop them. That's simple. Stop them. 100%. 100%. I just want to bring it back to the format because I know that I've had a couple of people in the DM saying that they found it a little bit confusing. So I want to go over yes. it really nice and simple. We had six groups to start this mm-hmm. all off. Five, tim- five teams in each group, which means that, uh, you know, four games per group. And whoever finished top of their group automatically advanced. And then I think the team with the best point differential or the best head-to-head record, basically yeah. the team with the tiebreaker, then also progressed as a wild card from each conference. So mm-hmm. we had those six teams. We had some really memorable games. We had Chet Holmgren hitting that overtime winner against Golden State, which is a shot I don't think I'm ever going to forget. Very Larry Bird-esque. I know I'm doing the white guy to white guy comparison, but the <laughs> shot even had that sort of arc, you know, that sort of almost next yeah. to his ear. Just absolutely loved it. So I think it provided some really memorable moments. So we had eight teams progress through to the quarterfinals. And it was simple. You played at home. If you were the team with the better record during the group stages, which is great, you should absolutely earn that right. And, uh, you know, it was quarters, it was semis, and then it was the final single game elimination. You guys, everyone around the world is familiar with that. It's the simplest format we can follow. I think that once we got past the group stages and there's been a lot made of this point differential running up the score thing. It wasn't the first tiebreaker used. If two teams had drew, you know, both of them were three and one through their group. The team that had won that game progressed through to the knockout stages. So ultimately it wasn't a massive deal. I like the format. I don't think it needs too much tweaking. And in fact, I've seen a lot of people post about how they would change this or that, this or that. Let people get used to this first. People are going to remember it second time through. And then what's going to sort this all out is expansion. Like we said, in a few years time, we're going to have two extra teams. And it's really simple. You go to eight groups of four. You have three games in each group. Or maybe you have each team play each other twice. And the top team from each group progresses. Or you can go full March Madness. You can go round of 32 knockout tournament and you can go all the way through if you want to. But by the time we get two teams, it's going to be really simple. 32. There's a reason that the World Cup doesn't have 30 teams. The final answer for this is coming. But for now, I think you just leave it because people are finally starting to understand what the hell was going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's the first time around. So like we're we're getting you. And like you said, we're. You know, if you're if you're not familiar with how they do it in, you know, overseas with 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 football, then mm-hmm. you're probably not you, you don't understand it. But like you said, you just got to get used to it. You got to get accustomed to it. And like I said, I, I wasn't sure how the players. And I don't know why I keep thinking like a player. Like, why do I care what the how I, what the player? But I was like, you know, kept thinking that way. Like, if the players don't care, why should I? And that was kind of my yeah, yeah, thought. Yeah. But like I said, I got used to it. I was like, okay, you know, this is. And, and and like I said, getting used to it. And like I said, I'm I'm not a big, you know, soccer guy and all that. But like I'm familiar yeah. with it. I have a lot of friends who are big and you know, big Manchester City guys and all that. You know, no. so like, yeah, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry. Chris, I think uh, that's, who's your team? Who's your team? I, look, I'm an Arsenal fan, man. But that's Arsenal. like saying 
Imagine, imagine if everyone started being Clippers fans after Chris Paul and Blake Griffin <laughs> teamed up there in the 2010s, like poverty franchise for decades and decades and decades. <laughs> they get it. some shiny That's toys, awesome. and suddenly all the young fans are, are Man City fans. I, I thought that we'd yeah. hold a little bit more cachet. <laughs> I'm an Arsenal fan. They're historically you, you, big. You, you know, they're sort of those fan bases are. No, you guys are crazy. You guys oh, make crazy. make American fans look so tame. It, it's it's I, that's that's one of the things I got to put on my bucket list is I got to go to a you know international soccer game and just be a part of the crowd. Those crowds are they look like they're a lot of fun. Dangerous, if, dangerous, but it looks well, a lot of fun. If you have a death wish after this podcast, you look up Boca Juniors and you just. Uh, you, you see what happens there. That is the one that's uh, on my bucket list. As a football fan, I want to go to Argentina. I want to watch them because they are absolutely mental yes. and it's all the better for it. <laughs> so we've got past our group stages now. We're through to the knockout rounds. We had four matchups. We had Knicks, Bucks, Pacers, Celtics on one side of the bracket. And we have Pelicans, Kings and Suns, Lakers on the other side of the bracket. And Chris, I want to play a quick game. I want mm-hmm. to do quick takeaways what we've learned about every single team from their knockout performances in the in-season tournament so i'm going to let you take center stage and we're going to get kicked off with the knicks what did you learn about the knicks if anything from that quarterfinal loss against the bucks that they have a ceiling that it's Mm -hmm. really they're a good team but they are nowhere near the level of the boston celtics and the milwaukee bucks and maybe even the Philadelphia 76ers. Maybe they could catch them. Maybe they have a better shot against Philly. But I think mm. ultimately, kind of what, like Kenny Smith said, we don't, we're we never going to have the best player on a team. Or are we going to have the second or third best player? I think that's that's been saying that. And I think I think that that's true. And I think um that now with the Mitchell Robinson's out, I think just think I think we have a ceiling. And I and it's easy to say trade for someone who's available that's really going to be that guy yeah and that's why i get mad at this team because the draft i'm like i said big draft guy cover the draft you know for the last four years it starts there they failed that miserably they failed at the draft miserably Mm -hmm. 2000 i could go back even before that where they took kevin (laughs) knox over sga and i was like it was always sga it was always sga i said that then and like so for me, I just think they're there's a ceiling. I think they're a good team. I think they, they they could beat any team any given night. But to me, in a seven game series, you know, uh, against Boston or or against Milwaukee or even Philly, I think you know they they could beat probably Cleveland. They beat Cleveland last year. They could, yeah, you know, maybe in those teams. But you know, even Indiana, I think because youth, I think they could beat Indiana in a seven game series. You know, maybe not right now without Mitchell if he's out for the season, but. I just think there's a cap, and that's why I came away with that. There, I think their ceiling is their, you know, uh, is very low. So uh, that that's the tough part. Yeah, I I think what must be frustrating as well as a Knicks draft guy is that you guys ace pick twenty to sixty exactly. every year. Second I'm, second I'm round picks at, were great yeah. at, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm lottery at the picks now on the bench. You had Miles McBride second round, Jericho Sims second round. Emmanuel quickly, I believe in the late twenties. Uh, late twenties, yep. Pick twenty-five, I think. Quentin Grimes was pick twenty-five. Yep. 
you found you found your rotation guys you found you know in Emmanuel quickly you found a six man of the year and a guy that I think is going to get paid a lot of money this off season it's just those moves right at the top of the roster that that couldn't but quite that's figure where out. that's where listen you can get away to get away with missing so many picks for so long it's finally yeah. starting to catch up on them and listen right. Brunson has been tremendous you know getting Ju- listen as much as Knicks fans get on Julius Randle you know, I don't think anyone thought he'd be this good with this team, but yeah, we wouldn't have had to be there if we had drafted properly and we have, yeah. you know, followed. you know, I'm not saying I know everything. I have some misses on my, on my record and I, I'm not yeah. afraid to say it. I tell people, Hey man, I missed on this guy, this guy, but they had listened to me. Oh, we'd be in a way better situation. You know, <laughs> and sure. it, it starts way back, but. This it's it's catching up to them. It's catching up when you miss on top ten pick after top ten pick after top ten pick. It eventually catches up to you, and this is why there's certain teams in the league like Minnesota. You used to look at Minnesota; they drafted a lot of their guys after they added. They draft they traded for Rudy, but who's who, yeah. who's their number one pick a few years back? He's a he's a bona fide superstar. Yeah, absolutely. Start at the draft. Even Carl pick. Anthony Towns yeah. as well. You know, they, they didn't screw it up. Obviously, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Devin Booker, but no one's really begrudging that Carl Anthony Towns. No, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, 100%, I agree. There is a ceiling on the seam. And the thing that makes it difficult for me is I think that it's been so, like, carefully crafted by Tom Thibodeau that I struggle to see a star coming in and you maintaining that identity. I think that Julius Randle is a hard player to fit around. RJ Barrett is kind of a difficult player to fit around. Mitchell Robinson with his style sat right in the dunker spot, chasing after offensive rebounds. I think there's Mm -hmm. a reason why the Knicks have so many mid-range assassins. And it's because you really increase your chances of offensive rebounds when you're shooting from closer in. Um, you know, it just makes it easier. The arc of the shot is a little bit smaller. You don't have to put quite as much force into your shot. So it means that Mitchell is able to have Wilt Chamberlain-style stat lines once in a blue moon. But I I think it's going to be difficult to elevate this team to a championship roster with one star trade. You almost need two. There's a really good core there. There's a really good competency. But levelling up from this point is going to be so difficult. Yeah, and it's... Now you're asking to trade for two stars. That's yeah. hard. I know they have a lot of assets, but you essentially needed to have one of those stars already, you know, homegrown essentially, mm-hmm. and then trade for one. Now, do you think if do they think Brunson's that guy? Obviously, I don't think they think Randall's that guy. I don't think no. they think Randall's that guy. But do you think Brunson's that guy that could be the co can can be the co-star for a star? You know, and that's the thing they got to yeah. figure out. Because if that's not the case, then what the hell do you do next? Because mm-hmm. now you're stuck and you don't want to be that. You don't want to be where Memphis Grizzlies were. So those years back where they're like the try hard team. They're like, yeah, they're going to give yeah. you a good series, but they're not going to win a championship because they just don't have that guy. Where that's what, yes. that's where the Knicks are. They're that late. Those two thousand, those 2010 teams, those those 2010s, you know, Grizzlies. That word, you know, they could, yeah, maybe they get to Western Conference Finals, but you know, they're not going to win. Mm-hmm. That's where the Knicks are. I, so they have to figure that out. If, all right, trading for the star, who's that star? Everyone keeps saying trade for the star, trade for the star. Jack, there is none of, there's no star right now that's available, truly available. Yeah. 
Like, are you talking about Jason Tatum? He's not available. Luka Doncic, he's not available. SGA, he's not available. Um, Who else? Ant-Man, he's not available. Carlton Towns is not even available. That used to be like, oh, he's going to be – he's not – so, like, Joel Embiid, he's not – they're not trading him to the Knicks. Who's that guy? This is why drafting is very important, and if you miss on picks, it's going to come back to haunt you. It's starting to creep up on the Knicks that the bad mm-hmm. drafting is coming back to haunt them because guess what, Jack? There's no star. There's no star. Do yeah. you want DeRozan? Do you want do you want a star who's on the on the back end, the back nine? Oh, you know, like mm-hmm. PG thirteen. You want a back? You don't. That's not the star you want. I don't think you do. I don't think you, you do. You want a star I, who's I, in their think... prime or entering their prime. Unfortunately, I'm, those I'm... guys are already all locked up in maxes, and those guys, the teams are not trading those guys. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna move us on to one team that I think in the next twelve months could give you another star target, and I'm gonna move us on to the New Orleans Pelicans because I watched them through this tournament and I got so excited watching that Sacramento Kings game. They've got so much length, they've got so many options across both the front court and the back court, and then they have this star tandem in Brandon Ingram and in Zion Williamson, where I look and I think. I was messaging a guy on Twitter, on X, whatever you want to call it. And I was saying, I really want to write something about Brandon Ingram and Zion. Because I think in a playoff setting with those two locked in, I would rather have them as a duo. I can't believe I'm saying this on air. This is awful. I would rather have them as a duo than Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Because I think that they're two stars that when they work together, they can both handle the ball in pick and roll. They can both scream for each other. They can both create out of isolation. They can both create for their teammates. And most importantly, they're never going to be guarded by the same profiler guy. So if you switch, you're Mm -hmm. dead. So in theory, this team should work. But it just feels like I, I think that we're headed towards one of those two leaving before Brandon Ingram's contract is up next year. It's just it's a it's it's processing. Now, it, it is it's tough because this is a team yeah, I yeah. really liked last year, like and they were playing good before Zion and all that. They were a top three seed and all that. Things were, were gelling, but then Bi got hurt. Then they just went through a lot of injuries and all that. But it does feel like it. It to me with Zion, it just I just don't think he wants to be there. I truly yeah. don't think he wants to be there. I, I think it's more of that than the weight issue. I know that's been an issue, but I, I just think he does not want to be there. And that and that mm-hmm. that's always a thing. As much as I love the draft, it also doesn't make sense at times. We have to put players, 19-year-olds, and you're in New Orleans. Go be an adult. We just, hey, yeah. we just gave you a whole lot of money, too. And you're the face of the franchise. Save us, please, because you know uh we everything Look, we gets messed it. up here so and that's not that's not easy that's not easy to handle no. you know uh, i think we don't put that in perspective how tough that is to be and that's why we need to appreciate lebron james more because what he's done for 20 years as the face of the league is remarkable but i think one of these guys are gonna get traded but then you know because they're gonna have to pay some guys you gotta play trey yeah. murphy you have to yeah he, he he's someone when he when he's healthy and he he's just He's getting back in the swing of it. He just came back. He's gonna have mm-hmm. to. You're gonna have to pay him because he's going. He's 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 a cornerstone piece. But uh, I just think. I also think them not having the right point guard there too. Mm. Um, 
has really messed them up because I feel like if they had the right point guard there, things would be a lot smoother. They just never have figured out that point guard. So, I mean, they have some solid options, but you know, they missed on Kyra Lewis, who I was high on too. I like Kyra Lewis a lot, right. but he's getting he's getting DMPs and all that. You know, Jose Alvarado, he he's a spark plug, but he's not he's not your lead guard. You know, he's not your starting yeah. point guard. He's someone to come off the bench and give you energy, kind of like that Pat Bev type. You know, that pesky guy who's gonna do you know uh, just just irritate teams. But uh, you know, it's but I, I think one of them's gonna be gone. I, I don't see this them both of them. Like I said, you know, they just paid Zion. You know, but mm-hmm. I think they're getting tired of it. I think they're getting tired. Of, I think Zion's the one that's going to go. I think he can get probably more, not more for him, you know, but mm-hmm. I think more, I think more teams are going to be more inclined because I think everybody wants that star power of Zion. Um, and I feel like, you know, he could be that, that, that guy someone trades for and they feel like they can elevate him. But uh, I just think yeah. this time's up in New Orleans, and I think a change of scenery is, is something that he needs. I just don't think he's happy there, to, just to be honest. I wonder, I, 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 it showed the draft when they did the lottery. He, how disappointed. And what's crazy, is, and that's why I know the NBA is not rigged, because guess who had the number four and three pick? It was the Los Angeles Lakers and the New York Knicks, the two yeah. biggest markets. And then who had the number one and two pick? The two smallest markets in Memphis and New Orleans. If they was rigged, this was rigged, you know they would have wanted Zion and Ja in the two biggest markets. That's how I know it's not rigged, but I just think – and he looked disappointed. Like, I'm going to New Orleans. I thought it was going to be in New York or L.A. with LeBron. He was, was a convinced big down. about New York, He was convinced, and I, it looked like – but I, I think uh, it, it's tough. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think I think they're gonna have to get rid of one, and I think it's going to be Zion. I think Zion's gonna be the one that gets moved. Um, yeah, I think Zion's gonna be gone. Yeah, I think that I think that could be it. Um, I I look at the Pelicans, and I just think that if they could play a six man team, it'd be perfect because they basically need Trey Murphy. They need Herb Jones. I really like yeah. when Dyson Daniels starts. They need the two stars. They need a center. And CJ, CJ is the guy that feels like the odd man out to me. I looked at them during the off season and I thought if they could convince Drew Holiday to come back, they have that salary there. He would have been a wonderful fit next to these two stars because what they struggle with is they can't combine their like elite level role players because they are elite. They're just only elite on one side of the ball to where Trey Murphy is just a fantastic role player to have next to Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson from a spacing perspective, from a cutting perspective. I think that he's got higher than that. Um, Yeah, he's got higher potential than that. But in this system, that he just makes sense perfectly on that side of the ball. Defensively, both Dyson Daniels and Herb Jones, just they complement those two so well because it allows them both to play on the back line. Herb is, I'm going to write a piece about Herb, about he is like the NBA skeleton key. You can ask him to guard Trey Young. I think you could probably ask him to guard Joel Embiid. You can ask him to guard anyone in between. He just unlocks so many things for you, but then mm-hmm. that creates your spacing problems. I think yeah, that, CJ that... is the odd man out, but yeah, if Zion doesn't want to be there, then I, I I think that we see a trade in the next 12 months or so. And this is what I wanted to say. I, I think that he might end up heading to New York as he was, you know, probably thought he was destined to back on lottery night for the draft. I think that, that's a pathway to the New York Knicks getting two stars because I assume that Zion is going to be traded as almost a, a slightly distressed asset. You can't ask for an Anthony Davis style, Kevin Durant style haul. So maybe you can maintain some of your pieces, 
you either have a really competitive core around Zion and Brunson, or you have enough stuff to go out there and get a third guy, and you basically go, it's title contention or bust. If Zion doesn't get it together in terms of weights and attitude and whatever you want to talk about, just maturing into a Chris Paul-style professional, then you're probably sending yourself to being a lottery team in the back half of the 2020s because you'll have used a lot of assets and it, it just won't pan out. But if it does, it allows you to actually hit a championship ceiling because you haven't sold the farm to create a conference finals contender. You've sold it to create a finals contender. So that's my little piece. Yeah, no, I, I I wouldn't be mad if the Knicks, I, I've said this on a few shows, like, you know, that have asked me, give me a bold prediction. I've said Zion to the Knicks and all that. Yep. And I think there would be market. Now, he probably, like you said, he probably won't get traded for the haul that would probably, he, he probably could have got for Zion a few years back. But, 100%. you know, there's some teams that maybe have a star in the rising that probably should entertain. Try, like, for instance, Charlotte. What better way yeah, to, to Charlotte. add Charlotte? Like they, they've had a lot of bad publicity the last few years. Like they've had, you know, but they have a piece in Lamelo. What better mm-hmm. way to add than to have a Zion? I think that'll give them yeah. a little ump. Memphis, Memphis, cool. I love that. You add the number right. one pick with the number two pick. You have Desmond Bain, who's absolutely torching. He just had 49 points, you know, a couple nights ago. Why not try to go for it and see if that works? You know, there's some teams that I feel like should try to to try to make that push to get Zion and see if it works for them. Um, but I wouldn't be mad if the Knicks go after Zion. I I don't know if it's the it's the right, it's not a good fit, simply because we don't have an offense. Our offense is ISO. There is yeah. no offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he needs that structure. He needs an all. He needs a point guard. In Indiana too, man. Indiana would be fun too with him and and Halley and yeah. Obi. Oh, Halley would probably just throw it in the air. That's it. And Obi yeah. and, and and him catching it, you know. So I think he needs to be in that type of offense. That's you know going to be able to use him and pick and rolls and all that. You know, use him in transition. I think that's where he's best is in transition. So uh, we'll mm-hmm. see, but I, I think he he will get moved though, because I do feel like New Orleans at one point it thought they could be a sneaky finals team just last year, and now it's like, man, they might I, they uh, they might be stuck in neutral, and uh, that's not good. <laughs> I I I I still think that they have potential to be a sneaky contender in the West. I they are my all bets are off team. They could blow it up in the next 12 months or they could be finals bound in the next 12 months. Yeah, because the West is kind of the West is all over the place. Like there's there's a lot of, you know, like I said, it's not there's no dominant teams like Minnesota's playing the best. But that's still minute. It's still Minnesota, though. You're like, yeah, yeah. they're playing good. Great. But it's still Minnesota. So like they can fall back. You know, the Nuggets a little bit of a slump right now. You know, OKC, mm-hmm. yeah, they played great, but they're still a young team and all that. The Lakers, you know, they're coming off a high, just winning in-season tournament, but they got, you know, they're they're, they're they're a slow team. They're an older team and all that. You know, you can get Sacramento. We don't know what kind of Sacramento. The Suns dealing with injuries. We know Bradley Beal. We don't know how that's going to really work. So, like, mm-hmm. Dallas, Kyrie got hurt. Hopefully he's okay. I know he they, that, that looked bad, but he's supposed to be fine. But we don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, we, they have two good pieces. Everybody else is still suspect. So, yeah, I mean, they could. But they got to 
figure it out because, you know, they can a losing streak and now they're in the play in or they're out of it because right now they're sitting in 10th place and they're only a game behind. And guess who's behind them? The Warriors. We still, they're still the Warriors though at the end of the day. Like we could still, yeah. they, the Steph Curry in them, you know, so like they got, you know, it's, it's, an ele- it's only 11 teams, you know, that, that it's probably going to be four or five teams vying for that play in. But, you yeah. know, uh, they, they could a win streak away from being, you know, a top four seed. So, you know, uh, it's going to be fun. The West is fun right now. Absolutely. Kids, if you learn anything from, from that, it's don't bet on the Western Conference. It's not a good idea. Don't bet on the oh, NBA. No one knows what's going to happen. Don't bet. I don't know I, oh, man. So many parlays lost, Jack. So many parlays <laughs> oh, lost. Man. It's but bad. the joy, you know, you're only one parlay away from becoming a millionaire at the end of the hey, day. That, that, you got to be in it to win it. You got to be in it to win it, guys. 100%. 100%. <laughs> So I want to do quick takeaways with the Kings and the Celtics because I don't think we learned a ton about the Celtics. They didn't have Chris Stapps Porzingis in that game against the Pacers. If anything, I think we probably learned that he is the key to them having championship upside. I don't know if Al Horford can do it as a solo five anymore. That is no disrespect to Al Horford. He is um, he's Dorian Gray. He's just a man that doesn't seem to age. He still defends Joel Embiid about as well as anyone in the NBA he's the guy that's providing their um, uh, their championship upside. And then with the Kings as well, the thing that I learned is I think that they actually had a really decent matchup against the Warriors last year in the postseason because they weren't able to take advantage of how small the Kings were, basically. And I watched that game against the Pelicans and I saw Brandon Ingram beat up every wing that they threw at them. I saw him hunt mismatches. I know that Zion, if he was that way inclined, could have done the exact same. So I think the Kings need to get bigger and the Celtics need Chris Stapps back. Anything to add on those two teams, Chris? Ah, Sacramento Kings, man. They're they're tough of, of eval right now. Yeah, Keegan Murray 100%. hasn't taken that step that they, they probably were looking for. You know, he's kind of, mm. you know, trying to figure his thing. And I know it's tough when you have you know, De'Aaron Fox, and I know De'Aaron, I think De'Aaron Fox is number one in usage rate or definitely up there in usage rate, and you got some yeah. bonus and all that. So it's tough, you know, being your own player and being a third option, but he hasn't taken off the way. And then, like, you know, uh, Davion Mitchell, I mean, there's some game he's not even playing or he's playing limited minutes. He hasn't taken that next step. You know, obviously his shooting has definitely hurt, but he, it's just they haven't taken that step yet. You know, yeah. and we thought we they would. I know some people said maybe that they would have that Golden State Warriors like you know uh, rise, kind of like when Golden yeah, State yeah, yeah. played the Clippers that first year, and then boom, next year they win a championship. They thought maybe this is that version. It doesn't look like the case. I don't know. De'Aaron Fox is playing absolutely tremendous basketball. He's averaging thirty a game. You know, he's having he he he's tremendous. Yeah, you know, I think he was the, the the clutch player of the year last year. You know. Yeah. Uh, so he's blown, but it just feels like they're the same or the or worse defensively. They're, you know, there's yeah, they, they don't really have any rim protection and all that. It just, it just, I don't know. They're still they're one another team that they they need to they got to make a move. I don't know exactly what mm-hmm. that move is, but they got to figure out something because it just feels like they're stuck. And maybe they'll turn it off, you know, once the new year happens. But it just feels like. They're just they're stuck right now, and and uh, it just I don't know. They I don't think we they I thought I thought I thought they would be a lot better, and right now they're just kind of you know worse than we were last year. So they need to figure some things out defensively. They're not great, no rim protection and all that. 
Um, not a lot of ball movement on this team either. They're they're they don't really there's not a lot of ball movement on this team. Like I said, ISO, a lot of ISO stuff too, but you know, yeah. uh yeah, that's it. And then with Boston, I didn't take away much. Uh they didn't have Porzingis. You know, uh yeah. I you know, I, and that's like it. I said, they're still trying to figure things out. They have a lot of guys to feed, you know, all that. But one thing is is um with Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, it just there's something missing there. And and, and Jason uh, Tatum, I, it's hard to nitpick with Jason Tatum because he's such a great player. I love him. He went to Duke, he went to Duke. I'm a big Duke fan. But right. there's something missing with him. There's something missing with JT. There's something missing I, with him. Like he just doesn't have that that killer instinct that you need. And that's something that I you can't have two guys that are kind of same as far as mental. And that's why I, I, I feel the same with the Clippers where they have two non alphas feel the same way right. with that. And then, and then with Jalen Brown, it, it just feels like he keeps playing this. Like he doesn't feel respected. Mo is like, okay, we get it, bro. Like eventually you get over it and just start hooping and all that. And uh, I don't think his game has taken that next step as far as being a playmaker where JT, he has mm-hmm. improved as a playmaker. Very, I think he's improved a lot as a playmaker. Where Jalen Brown, yeah. there's, I mean, I think they had a, a stretch. Uh, I think they had a, he had a stretch where he had like no assist in like three games. Like, so that, that, that point is, is like, who's going to take, who's going to be that guy late who's going to make that play? Like, I know like, Drew Holiday is the, is the point guard and all that and, and, and white, but you want your two best guys with the ball in the hands to be able to make the right play. Is they gonna do it? I, it feels like Tatum's gonna take a, a fadeaway step back three pointer when he sometimes he forgets he's six foot nine, two hundred thirty pounds, Jack. And it's like I, I don't go know, to the basket year. and finish. Yeah. Come on. This year he's this year he's established himself in the post way better than he ever has. Le- before. He's definitely a lot he's better. He's showing he's a lot better. That sort of Sam Cassell mentorship is really paying off. And I want to push back on the Celtics. I think the thing that they need to remember when it gets really down to it is. They're one of the few teams in the NBA that actually has five players that can create a shot for themselves when they go to their closing lineup, whether it's Chris Tapps, whether it's mm-hmm. Derek White, whether it's Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. I think the important thing is the ball doesn't get stuck in Tatum's That's hands or Brown's exactly. hands. That's I what I worry about. They play the same way that they would in the first quarter that they do in the fourth. Keep they up don't though, Jack. They don't. Threes. They don't, they, do. they don't play consistency. They don't play consistent at all. Against the Knicks the other night, they should have beaten yeah. the Knicks by forty, and right. they let the Knicks okay. keep coming back and coming back a little bit. And they won't, but they 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 need to learn how to just put your foot on the gas and just destroy teams. They should they should destroy every team they should play. They should they're better than every team they play. Like you said, they have they five are. guys who can create. They're better than every team. But yet there's nights where you're like. Why aren't they dominating? They Life should be. Yeah. Why you have an all-star almost at every position? You should be dominating, but they're not. And we saw some of that in the playoffs last year with Miami. It's like, wait, what team are you? Are you the team that you're down three zero, or the team that that was that came back from three three? That's too yeah. much of that. There's too much of that inconsistency, and it's just like, this is why you guys have not taken that step. You guys should have beat the Warriors. You guys were up. How, what are we you going to do to get over that hump to get to where you need? Because right now, that's all that matters. Nothing else. 
get, not getting to the finals is not accept. If you don't get to the finals, that is a failure. It is a massive it failure. Is, it is. It is a massive. You got two guys in their prime. You got no. Yeah. Three, everyone's almost essentially still in their prime. Drew's in the back end. But you got Derek Weiss playing is in, in his prime and all that. You got two All NBA players. Mm-hmm. You got to figure. You got to. You got to get over this hump. The East is there for 100%. yours. You should win it. Yeah. But- yeah. 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 They should be dominating it. They should be dominating it. And personally, I'm going to bet that they do. But you're right. They're not turning up consistently. I think that uh, for the three teams remaining, uh, my takeaway for the Bucks was that I don't think that Adrian Griffin is going to last the season. I think that oh, they he's horrible. Talent. Yeah. He's not a good coach. He's not yeah, a good I coach, just, Jack. I, he wasn't I ready for this. But there's, he's not three, ready. there's three signs. There's the... There's the Bobby Portis argument after the semifinals. There's the Terry Stotts firing. And there's the going back to drop defense, which we all knew that they should play after about five games in the regular season. And the thing is, the thing that got brought up is if you're hearing leaks that there was an argument in the locker room and it's being broken by Chris Haynes, it's Damian Lillard that's saying it because those two are really tight. So my thought is... Dame is the guy that probably wants him gone. I think Terry is probably going to be in charge come the postseason for the Bucks, which is crazy to say about a team that I think is 15 and 6. But that was my takeaway with the Bucks. I think with the Suns, I'm not worried when they have their three healthy. I'm really high on them as a team that just creates a lot of problems for a lot of teams in the Western Conference. I'm worried about certain matchups with size, but I think that they if they have Bradley Bill, that game against the Lakers could have been really different. And with the they Lakers, win, my main takeaway is that I, I, I'm now getting to a stage where I don't think they need that big all-in trade because we've seen the blueprint of how this team can play and we've seen how defensively dominant they can be. I don't necessarily know if they need a bona fide third-option scorer like a Zach Levine, for example, that saps all of their depth when you have yeah, the they, they don't they don't need that they definitely don't need that yeah and i think that yeah. the talk was that they did two weeks ago you know demar was being linked zach was being linked it was all who could the paces tra- uh, sorry paces who could the lakers trade for i I'm just i think the lakers are are good as is yeah. i like this laker team a lot 100%. i really do like this team a lot i think they could stay as is and uh you know maybe add some some uh, front court depth but other than that i think they're they're in good shape. I like this Laker team a lot. You know, I feel like mm. LeBron has that has that that extra umph in him for this season. I think he knows this possibly could be it. I think I think yeah. the script is I think the script is in. We already saw the first part of the Dude. script, chapter one there it is. in season tournament. This is the part of the script. I said this is it. I I think I said he wins a championship, he's retiring. He's gonna get five. Wow. He, get six is too much. I don't think he can get the six. Five, you tie Kobe Bryant. That's good enough for him. That's good. Six is going to be too much because that that might take you another. That's too much. But five is, is is obtainable. That's I think he wins a championship. He goes off in the sunset. And I said he's going to win the NCAA tournament. We all know that's going to happen. Boom, they win the NCAA tournament. The script is in, Jack. He's going. This is how it's going to end. It, the basketball gods are going to give us a beautiful story. It's going to end with LeBron hoisting number five, and then he will cement himself. As the greatest of all time. That's another show. That's another show. But I want to <laughs> add a little bit. I want to add a slight epilogue to that. If he retires this year after winning a fifth championship, 
He comes back in a few years' time when we have these two extra teams. He plays for the Las Vegas team that he owns or part owns. And, you know, Bronny... Like Jordan? Like Jordan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. Hey, but you know what? At this rate, he might play for another five years because this is literally... We've never seen this before. And uh, it's special. But I don't think they need anything. I really don't think they need to make a trade of that significant. Maybe some little trades, you know, add some depth pieces. Like I said, some, some front court help, but I don't think they need to go for Zach Levine. Nothing like, and then that means you have to give up pieces, that significant pieces yeah. and all that. And you think you do you think Chicago is going to take your scraps? No, they're going to want Reeves. I mean, that's the first thing I would say. Like, yeah, give me Austin Reeves and you know D'Angelo Russell or something like that. Give you pieces that are helping you. D'Angelo Russell's playing really good basketball right now. Austin Reeves yes. coming off the bench is great. Well, you know, Cam Reddish has been a you know he, he's shown that you know he he is a good basketball player and all that after you know some bad tough years and you know in in atlanta and new york i don't think you want to mess with that i don't think lebron and then what is zach levine as a third option because at the number two uh, option I, as a number two option he's not that good as a three with lebron and ad i don't it with the what he I, doesn't do anything off the without you know off the ball no pun intended doesn't do anything off the ball that excites you so like him as a third, yeah, we're thinking of Zach Levine, but like Zach Levine, third option is pro- is is that a good basketball player? I don't know if that's a good basketball player. Fair enough. I I wrote about Zach going to potentially all twenty nine other teams because I like him as a portable star, and I thought that there could have been some nice synergy there with the Lakers because if anyone is going to unlock you as a cutter that's not named Nikola Jokic, it's going to be LeBron James. If anyone's going to get you playing out in transition. It's LeBron James. If someone can take a little bit of the scoring burden away from Anthony Davis and he can focus even more on the defensive end of the ball, uh, then that is another thing to consider. And I like him as a movement shooter. I think he's a very polarizing player these days. But um, yeah, I don't know if they need to go that drastic. I think that Zach ends up somewhere and I think he ends up helping. But I'm not too sure if it's the Lakers anymore. Sacramento. No, no, they can't stay small. Why? They have Malik Monk. Malik is like my favorite guy in the league. Oh, I, I don't Malik. want to see him in Sacramento. Well, you, well, he's like, it's like the J.R. Smith, you know, uh, t- like times with, with Malik. That's what you get. You're gonna, you might get a game where he gets 35. You might get a game where you get five. You know, that roller coaster nah, with guys... Malik Monk is fine. <laughs> I love Malik, but, like, but Sacramento should be, you know, in the, the Zach sweepstakes and all that. Um, Yo, there's a few teams, but yeah, um, I, the Lakers don't need to do anything crazy like that, though. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where Zach ends up. I think, Chris, we have we've covered off the in-season tournament pretty nicely here, man. I think our conclusions are that first year, pretty much an unmitigated success. The group sure. stages aren't as confusing as we perhaps thought. Once you properly look into it, we liked we liked the courts. We didn't necessarily like the uniforms. <laughs> We love the matchups. We love Vegas being in play. And now mm-hmm. we know as well. Now it's been, it's gone out on air. It's out on pod. Our solution is coming when we have the two expansion teams and we go to a 32 team league. Group stages yes. become really simple there. And we've learned a lot about all eight teams that made it through to the knockout stages. Some really interesting Knicks takeaways, some interesting Pacers takeaways. Lakers, almost not interesting. What are Bleacher Report going to write about if it's not? The LA Lakers need a third star. I don't know. I don't know. But it's a, it's a league to keep an eye on. Any closing thoughts, man? No, man. The NBA is is uh, don't. I know people get down on the NBA sometimes and say, mm-hmm. but this was a major success to play in. 
you know, um, the league is thriving with so much young talent, tremendous talent. This is the league is in very good shape. You know, mm-hmm. I know uh, we talk about a lot who's going to be that guy after LeBron is is finally retired and all that. But we're going to have a bunch of great talent, you know, uh, so the league is in good shape. The the, the future of the league is, is very, very rich. Um, and I think, think people, we just need to enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy the older players as they're, you know, entering the end of their time. You know all that. Enjoy the young, rich talent we have. You know, mm-hmm. it, the league is in very good shape and all that. And, um, you know, I can't wait. You know, uh, I can't wait to, you know, and it's only quarter way in. I can't wait for the rest of the season. It's going to be fun. 100%, 100%. And if you want any Knicks coverage, Chris is the guy to turn to. He is the host of the Off the Ball pod. He contributes to New York Knicks Fan TV. All of his links are going to be in the description. Follow him on Twitter. Like we said, right at the top of the podcast, this is a good Twitter user. They are hard to find, but he <laughs> is one of them. If you want you know, educated debates, if you want good opinions, if you want him showing love to players that aren't just on his team, which I think is really difficult to find. He's one of the guys that you've got to go and check out. And he's been doing this for a while. I'm sure that the coverage is going to step up once we get, you know, really into the draft stages as well. I know that it's just Mm -hmm. started simmering. Chris, I'm really excited to see what you do, man. And I'm really grateful for you for coming on to the podcast. I think we've had a great chat today and I hope that you can come back on later in the season as well. No, man, this was a lot of fun. Appreciate you coming, uh, have, for having me on the show, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I've heard some of your work. You've done doing a good job, man, out there. So, uh, like I said, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. And uh, we're definitely going to be doing this again. So I appreciate it, man. 100%. Guys, that is another episode of the Drop Step in the books. That is the in-season tournament in the books. LeBron reigns as king once more. And the way he's going, he could probably win another five. But we'll see. That's next season. This is this season. Stay tuned to the drop step for more NBA coverage and I'll see you all next week. Bye.